Good morning. <clears throat> so this morning I think you've had a foster overload. <laughs> not just one, not just two, but three. Actually, Millie's on stewards, so sorry, apologies. Um, how are you enjoying the Roman series? I think we've had some real meat to chew over in the last few weeks, haven't we? And uh, as both Will and Joe pointed out, chapters 9 to 11 in Romans are some of the most difficult passages to wrestle with in the Bible. So when I realised I got Romans 12, I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, can I really encourage you, if you've missed certain weeks, to catch up on them? They're all on the podcast because it's by dealing with some of this meat chewing our way through it, that I think this is where we begin to stretch and grow. And many of us have read these words many times, but there is still loads for us to learn, because we never stop learning, do we? Um, so can I encourage you, don't give up because it's hard. Really pursue this and what God has for you as an individual and for us as a church. Um, so can we just pray together? Is that all right? Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here this morning. We thank you that you are here with us. And Lord, I just pray that you would protect our minds from distractions now. That you would help each of us to open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us this morning. Help us to put aside all that other stuff. And to just focus right in on you. Thank you for what you're going to do this morning in each of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so can you just turn in your Bibles or your devices, or I think you can look at the screen, to Romans 12. And we're going to read through the first part. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. 
Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, many of you will be so familiar with this passage. And like you, like me, I'm sure many key verses jump out of you. I wouldn't be surprised if a few of them are on cards that you send or even on your fridge magnets. Now, you will remember when Phil spoke at the start of the series, he restarted it for us. He did a brief overview of the second half of Romans. And he said that chapters 12 to 16 were looking at specific issues of living the Christian life. He said that Paul's a bit like our agony uncle, giving us advice on how to live. And I think we'd agree with that, wouldn't we? When we look at this chapter as a whole, there is a great set of advice on Christian living for us here. Things like, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. We've got different gifts to share with each other. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Honour one another above yourselves, to name but a few. We each of us have a high calling. And here Paul is giving us some great practical advice in order for us to pursue that calling, that lifelong journey we're on of becoming Christ-like. So as I began to prepare for today and ask God what he wanted me to share, I opened up his word to read this chapter and I immediately knew. Because surprise, surprise, God has been talking to me about this for the last few months. And I had that moment where we say, of course, Lord. And while this chapter is filled with loads of good wisdom, just for today, we're going to focus on and we're going to hone right in on verse two. Now, do not panic. The beauty of being married to next week's preacher is that I've asked him to pick up the rest of the chapter. So he's going to be doing 12 and 13, but don't worry, my red pen is at the ready, and I'll make sure you get out for your lunch. (laughs) So back to verse 2. Now, I really like the Passion translation of this. It says, Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will for you as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now, I want to start by saying to each and every person this morning that God's desire... Your heavenly Father's heart is that you live a beautiful life. When he looks at your life and when he sees you living out some of this stuff in Romans 12, he sees beauty. And sometimes we see mess and struggle and pain and difficulty, but God sees beauty. Don't forget that. When we're listening to him and when we're training ourselves as his disciples, he sees a beautiful life. Wow. Thank you, Lord. 
I wonder how many of you, like me, have been quoted this verse. Perhaps we're thinking a little negatively, and someone, a really good Christian friend, perhaps has said to us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I wonder how many of you, like me, have said, oh yes, 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 of course, I will renew my mind. Right then, off I go to renew my mind. How do I do that then? Maybe it's just me. Maybe you don't struggle with this. But I strongly suspect that many of us struggle with this hugely practical advice that Paul is given us. Now, I also know that lots of you will say, well, hang on, Vicky, I read my Bible daily. And I want to say, yes, brilliant. Getting into God's word regularly so that we know the truth is the first steps towards embracing and renewing our minds. But I wonder how often later on the same negative thought creeps back in. And we have a realisation that perhaps our mind, our thought life, isn't changed, let alone renewed. Now Tim Keller, he's a very clever man, picks up on a clever trick that Paul uses in this passage. The word transformed is contrasted against the word conform. So Keller suggests that we've got two patterns placed before us. We've got the pattern of the world, and then we've got the pattern of God's will. And the word conform has been deliberately used to contrast the word transform, the idea of an inner transformation against outward conformity. When we conform outwardly, we might do what's required. So, for example, my children, after much nagging, may eventually tidy their bedrooms. They're they're only doing that to conform to my will. Internally, they are probably chuntering away and having a good moan to themselves about how their bedroom's perfectly fine and why should they have to do this anyway. They are not transformed. They haven't had a total reformation in their thinking. They sadly do not have a desire inwardly to be clean and tidy. We're believing for that. And I make this point to you because isn't this just another way of God saying... I don't want prisoners. I don't want puppets. I want a real relationship. I want an inward desire to align your thinking with mine. Now, I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice that we are currently living in a mental health pandemic. I am quite sure that we all know at least one if not more people around us, who are hugely struggling with their mental health right now. COVID-19 and lockdown seem to have brought what was already a huge problem facing our world and our nation right to the forefront. In lockdown, we were all forced to stop, weren't we? Our lives couldn't continue as before. And I think as human beings... We don't like to face what we find when we stop. Because in stopping, we've got no choice but to consider and confront 
some of the negative voices and the thoughts that have been pushed aside for so long. Instead, we have to consider what's going on in our minds. And to do that, we have to think about our roots and what we're rooted in. Because I believe that it's often from these roots that our negative thought patterns establish themselves. Hence Paul's advice for our need to renew our minds. Now Ephesians 3 verses 17 to 19 says, we are being rooted and established in love. What we are rooted in not only determines our fruit, but our roots also determine our inner transformation. So just for a moment, let's take the image of the tree as an image for our life. Remember that we know God doesn't promise us a life that's free from pain or difficulty. In fact, we know, don't we, that we're told we will face trouble. Now here's the tree, and it starts life as a seed, a tiny little seed. The tree has no control over where the seed will land and take root. Just like us, we've got no control over where we'll be born or the family that we'll be born into. And as we grow up, we often face trials and difficulties. And when these are left unattended, their negative roots can begin to grow. Things like bitterness, shame, unforgiveness, disappointment, negative self-talk. And when we feed the roots by chewing over the negative thoughts, then the branches grow. And the branches can become our way of coping or a picture of that. The branches might look outwardly brilliant, but remember, we can't see the roots. And so we develop ways of coping, things like perfectionism, striving, over-medicating on your substance of choice. Could be shopping, spending, whatever it is that distracts your mind from facing the pain and the negative thoughts. So what do we do with the branches? Well, we might go to the doctors. Really good, brilliant. We might go and get some therapy. Again, really helpful, brilliant. But actually, more often than not, we cut them off because we don't want to face them. And we feel that we can't deal with them. But the roots are still there. And so the cut branches grow again. In essence, we learn a method of managing and coping with the roots. And the world says that's the best we can hope for, to manage and to cope. But as I was writing this this morning, and as I was thinking about you this morning, I want to say that in John 10, verse 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There are some of you here this morning who are managing and coping, and you're doing really well, but I want to remind you that this is not God's desire for your life. 
God wants every single one of you to flourish. He wants us to flourish. He doesn't want a life of managing and coping. Remember, that's what the world says. God does not say that. We need Jesus to help us deal with these roots. And I believe that God wants to break in and expose these roots. These roots which lead us to conform with the pattern of this world. These roots that are invasive, that push out the work of the Holy Spirit and don't allow for our inner transformation. As we said earlier, Paul prays we would be rooted and established in love. So how do we deal with the roots? Well, where do roots grow? Roots grow in the dark. And change will only happen, inner transformation will only begin when we expose the roots to the light. In Jeremiah 33 verse 3 it says, Call to me and I will answer you. When we begin to acknowledge the roots, we bring them to God. When we tell him, God, I'm so disappointed. God, I feel so betrayed. Father, I am carrying this deep shame. When we name those roots, when we bring them to God, and when we find someone, someone very trusted, somebody who knows and loves Jesus, who you know that you can share this with. And that's why it's really important for us to engage in vulnerable, authentic Christian relationships. And I know that I say it in every preach, but I don't care. This is why you need to be in a journey group. It's not an optional extra. It is essential. These authentic relationships are so important to our growth and our discipleship. And when we have done this, we begin the process of replacing these thoughts with the word of God. So after our little diversion to roots, let's focus in on our thoughts to renewing and managing our minds. Going right back to the start when I said, I've often thought, well, how do I fully renew my mind? I, want, I think it's important that I just say, that I believe in a God who heals. And sometimes God does that in an instant. Someone prays and it is done. And like you, I wish it was always this way, but it isn't. And for many of us, I think God takes us on a longer journey of being transformed. And I can't explain this, but I believe that it's all part of the mystery. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, we're told to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. How do we do this? How do we take captive every thought? This is really important advice because how we think impacts the rest of our life. It is crucial for our life journey. Changing the way you think is probably more like learning a whole new language than learning to ride a bike. It's really hard. We all of us experience negative, automatic thoughts at times. And many of us, as I've already mentioned, might have deep roots in negative thinking that need dealing with. 
It's been said that rumination is one of the biggest predictors of our mental health problems. So what is rumination? Well, the dictionary definition says, firstly, that it's a deep or considered thought about something. And secondly, the action of chewing the cud. And I think the second's more helpful. So let's think about the cow for a moment, chewing the grass. He's rather lovely, isn't he? Um, And this is a bit like our negative thought. So there's the cow and he gets some nice grass. And that's a little bit like our negative thought just popping up and going through our mind. And then the cow swallows the grass and we go, oh, I'm not going to think that. And we push the thought away. But then the the cow rather disgustingly brings the grass back up again to re-chew it over again. And so pops up that little thought in our mind again for us to chew over and over and over again. Ruminating on the thought or the problem can often be actually what causes depression and anxiety as opposed to the life event itself because we go over it again and again and again. So how do we deal with it? How do we take captive the thought? Well, firstly, we've got to catch ourselves in the act of ruminating. And often the way to do that is to notice what's going on in your body. Is your heart racing? Have you started sweating? Do you feel tension in a part of your body in any way? Look for the signs. And when you notice that's what you're doing, then you need to acknowledge that this is what you're doing. And choose. Notice it's a choice to start to ruminate on what is true. Start to ruminate on what is true. And this is ultimately what will lead us to the renewing of our minds. And sadly, I wish it was, but it's not. It's not enough for us to pay a passing visit to the truth in a 20-minute daily devotion. We've got to find a way of moving in and staying there. And I'm sorry, but that will take hard work and commitment. So firstly, you identify the lie Some of you this morning already know what that is. I'm a failure. I always mess it up. I'm not enough. Someone's going to find me out. They're much better than me. I'll never be well. I'm not interesting. I'm not beautiful. I could go on. And then we go to God. And we ask him to illuminate the truth to us, to shine his light in the dark places, breaking down those roots so the lie cannot regrow. And this is the point where we need a rhema word from God, from his word. When we ruminate on his word, when we sit with it, when we carry it with us, and every time that lie creeps back in, we replace it with his truth. And then this truth becomes like our weapon. 
because we declare it. And so we no longer conform to the pattern of this world. We no longer conform with the ideals and the opinions of the culture around us because instead we are transformed. We have a total reformation of how we think. Now, I said to you at the start, God's been talking to me about this for quite a long time because like you, I'm vulnerable. And sometimes the lies are loud in my head. From the very start of my ministry training journey, there has been a little reoccurring thought. Something that left unattended to would return to me again and again for me to ruminate on. And that little lie said, you're not good enough. Look around because everyone is so much better. Stay where you are. You're not enough. So I put the ministry training off. I pushed it aside. God's, God's not calling me. I haven't got this right. I'm not enough. I don't have all these things that other people have. And it took God to speak very clearly to me through the power of Zoom. Who'd have thought? Through a very experienced pastor that I've never met before who had no idea about what I'd been ruminating upon. And he said, do you know what? There's always going to be somebody better than you. (laughs) There's always going to be somebody who's got more knowledge and more gifts than you. But actually, I'm calling you. And it took that for me to go, okay, (laughs) okay, God, I'm going to do this. And I'd really love to tell you that immediately the thought was gone. (laughs) But like I said, a short visit doesn't deal with it rumination continues I can't write the essays I won't get through the interview I am so different to every other person who is training in this room I am not enough but God's so kind isn't he (laughs) and what a surprise the whole year first year of my AOG ministry training has been about my interior journey and I have been so privileged to hear amazing men and women of God speak so honestly and vulnerably about their own struggles and about their own thought life. And many good people, and many of you lovely people, have spoken the truth to me and over me. And I am so grateful for that, and I'm so thankful to so many of you. But the problem was, I'm still ruminating on the lie. I'm still chewing it over. Now, back in November, during a ministry training weekend, there was a time of ministry. And I'm going to be really honest, I was really tired. It had been a very long day, and I was really thinking I'd like a cup of tea. (laughs) Um, And there'd been another call for people to come forward for prayer. And I knew that I needed to deal with this. But you know what it's like when your legs are like lead and you don't want to move? I didn't want to get up. And I said, God, you're going to have to come to me. You're going to have to give me the word. Because my trying is not getting me anywhere. And as I prayed that very grumpy, weary prayer, I felt a lovely hand on my shoulder. Somebody who, oddly, I've only ever met online. A leader who I greatly admire and respect. And one of those people you know that you were meant to meet... She put her hand on my shoulder and she said, Vicky, 
She said, it is Vicky, isn't it? And I said, yes. <laughs> she said, I really want to pray with you. And she said, I've got a word for you. And she prayed this over me, Psalm 92. And it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They'll still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. And after all this time, all these months, years of ruminating on one lie, I'd got my rhema word. (laughs) And I've got to say... The palm tree stood out because I was like, Lord, if I'm going to be any tree, a palm tree, I'm taking that one. (laughs) The word said, not just that I'll grow, but that I'm going to flourish and that I am planted right here with you guys in the house of the Lord, that I'm going to bear fruit even when I'm old and shriveled and grey, although I will point out it says I'm staying fresh and green. And so I started ruminating on this truth, on God's precious word for me. Every morning, the first thing I'd read, that. Every time that thought popped back in, I'm not good enough. Hang on a minute, I am. I'm a palm tree planted in the house of the Lord. Ruminating on this truth has been life-changing for me. And my heart's desire and Paul's heart's desire for the Romans and God's heart's desire for you is that you would ruminate on the truth of God's word. It's not just for me, it's for all of us. That you would be transformed by the Holy Spirit and in so doing, you will lead that beautiful life. So this morning, I've been brave. And I have, I tell you, I can't tell you the battle this week (laughs) of not wanting to share that. But now I want you to be brave because we've still got some time that we're going to spend in worship together. This morning we've got our lovely prayer ministry team and I asked them to come prepared to minister to you this morning. They've got the word of God in their hands And they are ready. And in a moment, we're going to begin to worship. And I've asked them to move out of their seats and around you as a congregation, praying over you. They'll just just move around and walk around. It's nothing to worry about. And they're going to ask the Holy Spirit to direct them to whoever needs ministry this morning. Because some of you will be like I was Your legs will be like lead. You'll know that you need ministry, but you won't want to move. And I've asked them, maybe if they're led to somebody to come and lay a hand on your shoulder and to pray for you. And if you don't want them to do that, they're not going to be offended. Just say no thanks. But I do need to warn you that you could be missing out on a life-changing moment. You might also know right now that you need prayer. And if that's you, can I encourage you to maybe come to the front, raise your hand, look over at me, I'll try and look around. Um, 
and someone will come and minister to you. Now, we've only got so many people on our prayer ministry team this morning, so we might need to minister to one another. And if you see someone waiting for ministry, then please go and pray with them. It's not something only certain people can do. We all can all do this. We're a body, a body of believers. And it doesn't matter if you're really young or if you're really old, you can still pray for someone. You can still encourage them. As I sat down and opened my laptop, Church at Junction 10, to write this preach, I knew from the very start that God had some business to do this morning. Remember, he doesn't want prisoners. He only wants to give you freedom. He doesn't only have words for me. He's got words for you, life-changing words. Don't waste this opportunity. Don't miss this moment. Don't live in a lie. Let him set you free. As we move into worship, I'm just going to read for us the message version of our of the, the message version of our passage. And then we're going to worship together and we're going to minister to one another. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. Let's worship together, Junction 10. Let's stand and worship together.